Hey, Cole, the Coleman Taylor Thomas, ready to start our podcast about how we watch movies and talk about our first impression, rewatch the movie, talk about our second impression, and then cover a topic at the end of it? Oh, you know I am. Really long sentence, man. Yeah, then let's do it. <laughs> Such a long <laughs> intro. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta compensate for no musical introduction. <laughs> Theme song. That's what it's called. One day. When we make it the big times, you know, <laughs> we'll get there. Then we'll get a theme song. Until then, it's just weird you, intros. You saying a really long <laughs> sentence. Yeah, and really stumbling through it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this week we're doing a comedy, so let's let's embrace that. Yeah, let's just be goofy. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> this week, we, wa- we rewatched The 40-Year-Old Virgin. So, to just full disclaimer, this is a, a pretty raunchy rated R comedy, so the stuff we're going to talk about is probably going to be, you know, in relation to that. Uh, and just general disclaimer for our podcast, spoilers for everything all the time. <laughs> Always spoilers. <laughs> Sometimes spoilers for movies that we're not even, that aren't even the, the movie of the week. <laughs> We've been spoiling stuff left and right all the time. That's true. That's true. So, there you have it. Episode 5. Finally telling you, spoilers for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers on spoilers on spoilers. All the time. Okay, so this movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, came out in like 2005, I think? It was, 2005. So we've been been sitting on that first impression for a long time. What's what's your first impression of the movie? So my first impression, I saw it kind of later than everyone else, but... Everyone would talk about how funny it was, and I agree. When I first saw it, I thought it was funny. That was it was kind of the same as all the comedies that were coming out around then. Uh, and Steve Carell was in it, and he was great. And that was when he was kind of first becoming big. So that was really cool to see him in a movie. He'd been in a few before. I think Anchorman came out before, and Bruce Almighty, mm-hmm. where he yeah. was first noticed at all. And then that was the same year as The Office, I think, two thousand five. Right. <clears throat> yeah, two thousand five was. Yeah, the first season of The Office started. He had been on The Daily Show, but yeah, he he wasn't like a big name at all. I don't think anybody knew his name. He was maybe recognizable, but nobody knew who Steve Carell was. Yeah, exactly. So I always thought that was really cool. Um, Because after he made that (laughs) breakout role from going from Bruce Almighty, which looking back now, that scene's really cool to see that he was really the star of that like kind of funny scene he had with Jim Carrey. And then seeing him in Anchorman... And I was like, man, I want him to be in more movies. And then comes the 40-year-old virgin. So, but yeah, uh, I remember it being really funny, and I loved Steve Carell. What about you? Well, okay, so I remember thinking this week when we were watching this movie and, and, and I was coming up with stuff to say, like, I really don't feel like it's fair to call it my first impression because it's really just, like, my impression of the movie in general because I've seen it a couple times over the years. Yeah. And I remember the very first time I saw it, I thought it was a little overrated because I, d- I didn't see it right when it came out. And I remember, like, being like, okay, I'm finally going to watch this movie that everybody's been talking about for such a long time. And I was just kind of like, that's – this is it. I don't I didn't think it was that funny, I guess. And I thought it was really long. And I was just like, man, that is a, that's really overrated. But then over the years, like the decades since the movie's come out, I've, I've seen it plenty of times and i really found it funny in repeated viewings and it it sort of like in my mind became like this sort of modern comedy classic in the sense that it just had like this huge great cast of big name comedy people before they were ever you know in anything big so it just seemed like this sort of 
like landmark comedy. And then there's like lots of lots of moments in the movie that were quoted a ton in my high school. Was that did you find that in your high school? Oh, like yeah. this movie was quoted to death. Yeah, that's one of the things I wrote down. I wrote quotable, but I said as yeah. with most comedies that came out during that day. I feel like if a comedy came out when you go to school the next day after the weekend it came out or whatever, people are just going to be quoting it left and right. So yes, very quotable, uh-huh. but that's also just kind of an attribute of comedies in general. It's crazy like that. There's there's moments in the movie where I'm really just like, man, is that like, is this moment like an iconic moment in comedy? Because it, it feels like that. It feels like these were like really big moments, like like the Kelly Clarkson thing and mm-hmm. the Coldplay thing and like Bag of Sand, like all that stuff was like <laughs> like huge right around that when that movie came out. And I just remember it being sort of like these big moments that people talked about. Yeah, they got quoted all the time. Um but kind of what you were saying about it being funny. So I thought it was funny, especially when I first saw it. I definitely agree that it wasn't as funny as other ones that were coming out. I think Anchorman was way funnier and other things like that. Sure. But I enjoyed the meaning behind it. I remember that. I remember thinking like he's stand- like this comedy kind of stands out over the others because it has more of a meaning than the others. You've got yeah. the, these group of guys around him trying to convince him that he's wrong. But it in the way he lives that he's weird, but... Is he weird? Are they weird? Do they have it all together? I remember thinking that, and that was really interesting for a comedy for me. Yeah, 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 and I agree. Um, it it wasn't like I guess that, that that did strike me the first time around. Like it's not just a comedy for comedy's sake. There is more to it, and I I don't really think I I digested it too too well. Like the my, in my first viewing, my first impression of the overall film. Like I, I remember thinking, oh, okay, there's something more here, but that's that's really it. I didn't really think about it too much then, and, and until this second viewing, I really it was like, wow, there is like something deeper going on here. It's it really isn't just a comedy for comedy's sake. Yeah, and the, I totally agree. The first time I watched it, I thought that at a very surface level, just kind of general, but still, since I was younger, I just focused on the like comedic. It's funny. And there's a little more meaning there, so that's cool. And then definitely the second time, though, I picked up like a lot more specific scenes and things they throw in just to give it meaning over just being another comedy. Mm -hmm. But I guess we'll get into that in the second impression. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, so like to sum up my first impression, I've always held the movie in high regard. Like, even though my very initial reaction to the movie wasn't very positive over the years, it just says I've always looked back on it like, well, that was a that was an important movie, especially to the careers of all the people that are in it. And like they're the biggest names in comedy right now. So, yeah, I've always looked back on it on like this important sort of movie in comedy. Yeah, I don't know. I never got that feel for it. it but again, I'm a little biased because comedies aren't exactly my favorite. I obviously think they're funny, <laughs> but I'm never like, oh, great. Com-. Unless it's really, really, really well done. Comedies just don't really stand out for me. I don't usually think of, like, staple comedies. Unless they ex- go to the other extreme and they're just really, really funny. Like, I know Anchorman, mm-hmm. it's not the greatest movie, but it's obviously hilarious. Right. So, so do you, in your initial reaction to the movie, do, did you think that it wasn't extremely well done? I don't think so. I saw I mean, I saw it back in high school, so but no, I don't think it was really well done. I just thought it was kind of funny. Like I've said that kind of three times already, but the it was funny and then had a deeper meaning, but as far as like an overall movie, I wasn't like blown away by it or anything like that. All right, all right. So should we should we move on to our second? I guess so. 
<laughs> okay. Jump right in. What what was the, I had an immediate reaction. Like as soon as the movie started, I was like, "Whoa, this is going to be different." Because the, the the last time I saw this movie was before like before I went to film school. Before I started thinking about stories and movies critically, it was like as soon as it started, I was like, "Whoa!" I was I was pretty impressed by just like this like, initially just the script. Did you have any like any immediate responses when when the movie started? Mm, not when the movie started. I thought the script was good, but really. Overall, the movie kind of felt disjointed to me. Like, I guess the pacing was really... Uh-huh. I guess because it's already a two-hour-long comedy, and that's a little long for a comedy, but... Right. I don't know. The pacing just felt kind of off. And the script, like I said, was good, but it didn't blow me away, really. What What do okay. you think was really good about the script? Well, yeah, yeah, I still think that it's too long. Like, that's something I've always maintained. Every time I watch the movie, it's like, this is way too long. And that's yeah. just like, that's a general problem with comedies. It's like... For some reason, they they're always way too long. I think you you shoot if you're a comedy, hit that ninety minute mark and then and then end on a laugh and get out of there. Like they always overstay their welcome. But anyways, what what impressed me in the opening was like it, the script is is like it's like a it's like co- comedic clockwork. Everything happens when it's supposed to, and they hit the beats really uh, quickly early on. I think. Uh, eventually it does devolve and, and it, we, we stretch things out too much, but, uh, he, they reveal that he's a virgin in the first 13 minutes mm-hmm. and then they introduce Trish at the 30 minute mark. And it's like just beat after beat. That's when they're supposed to happen in the script. It's like everything happens when it's supposed to. And that opening montage, I really appreciate because he's just like this normal guy. He's just like getting up and doing his thing and, and they don't beat you over the head with the idea that he's like this ultra nerd. You know, you see it in his apartment, and in that way, it's kind of subtle. But you don't, you don't see him, like there, later on. There's a montage where he, you see him do every nerdy thing he could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but they don't they don't open with that. Instead of opening with like that comedic beat of "Look how nerdy this guy is." You, we all know he's going to be the forty year old virgin. Look at him. Look look at all the crazy, weird, nerdy stuff he does. Instead, we start in a subtle way. Like he is this normal guy, and there are subtle hints of why he might be a virgin still. And then, but he, he's just normal and he's going through his day. He goes to work. And then even like on his way to work, you see the eBay store in the background. It's like, mm-hmm. I appreciated all that stuff. It felt like a well-oiled opening. And I was like, that's definitely something I would never have picked up on 10 years ago. It's like how good the script was, or at least how good this, this opening sequence was. Yeah. I can definitely see that. One thing that stuck out to me, though, I guess it's just because I'm not in high school anymore, but I didn't think it was as funny, really. Sure. Still funny, still funny parts, and the classic parts are, of course, hilarious. I mean, just even if it's just the nostalgic value, just the scene where they're sitting playing Mortal Kombat, still funny. Yeah. (laughs) But overall, I didn't find it as funny. And I guess it's just because back in high school, I thought movie, like, I love the vulgar humor. It's around super bad came out and those were right. like what was hilarious. And now it's kind of like uh, vulgar isn't really, I don't really enjoy vulgar for vulgarity's sake just to be funny. But at the mm-hmm. same time, even though that's not exactly the comedy I like, this one still kind of stands apart from the others. Like again, because of the meaning and I could see it even more this time, how the vulgarity of the people around him just like juxtaposes his life. And I thought that was exactly. very interesting because yeah, other I'm, movies ugh. came out. were just like 
very vulgar just for vulgar sake, but this one like had a purpose for it, and I liked that. Yeah, I really appreciated that the second time around. I really never picked up on the idea that like a lot of the humor for me, the things that I found uh, the most funny were like like in that first poker scene, and he's just trying to repeat everything that everybody's saying, and he's trying to get in on it. That's where I find yeah. all the humor is like clearly this guy is out of place in this in this world that is oversaturated with sex and he's this inexperienced guy that's where the humor is it's not in the in, it's not vulgar for vulgar sake it's it's vulgar in relation to a guy who's not vulgar at all right but at the same time i i, I agree that it w- definitely wasn't as funny mm-hmm. this time around like i don't i don't think every joke aged very well and like uh, particularly like that that scene that i remember being so funny in high school is like you know how I know you're gay, blah, blah, blah. You know how I know you're gay, blah, blah, blah. It's like that was that was hilarious in high school. But now it's like if this if this scene, exactly the way that it was, came out in a movie now, it would be viewed terribly. It's true. Like it's just it's just not a scene that aged well at all. And and the jokes are that that the jokes in that scene altogether are not funny anymore. And it's kinda it's kinda nuts that ten years later, I mean I it just I guess it points to the idea that comedy is very can be very topical, and it's like of the time. Yeah, that's very true. Like I said, I think I still think that scene's funny just because I remember laughing in high school about it. Yeah, definitely not as funny to it. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. one standout scene, and it was right in the opening to me, and I'm going to try and keep it as least vulgar as I can because I think that's the <laughs> point of the scene. So it's Cal, who's Seth Rogen, and Andy talking about their weekend, and. Cal just goes into how he just watched a very obscene scene between <laughs> a woman and a horse. And oh, right, right. So and but like back in high school when I saw that, people talked about things like that all the time. It was just the norm. People talked about seeing ridiculous things like that and watching videos with things like that. And then it switches over to Andy, who's like, yeah, I made a sandwich for three hours and like goes into the (laughs) details of making it. And then is like, oh, but I didn't eat it. And like, Cal looks at him like he's weird. And I think he's weird. I'm like, that is so weird that you sat there and made a sandwich for three hours. And while I think what Cal did is weird, too. It was so norm, like, of people talking about things like that, especially back in high school, obviously. Yeah. But, and then I'm, like, thinking, but Andy is just so weird for making the sandwich. And that really just stood out this time, how they, like, it just really was cool how they were going against the norms of society. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I I really appreciate that scene. Like, early on, it's one of the ones that was like, man, this script is really good. Because that sort of nugget of a moment is, like, I just really appreciate what it tells you about Steve's character. It tells you about like his life and, and what it's like at, at, at his place of work. <laughs> like if it's uncomfortable and it's awkward. And it was like, I've had conversations like that at the places that I've worked with people that I don't know really well, but have to spend a lot of time with. It, it spoke to that. It, sp- it speaks to like how he is a little socially awkward, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with him. You know, he, he did a normal thing. He just, it was an uneventful weekend and it was the only thing worth noting. You know, it's like, there's nothing wrong about that, but it's just, it's just a little awkward. And it, and it, it put, it's like a great thing of like, this is, this is our main character, Andy, and this is the world he lives in. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like this great scene that doesn't beat you over the head with, you know, a, 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 an easy exposition or, or, or character explanation. It's like, this is just a nice slice of life. And in that, in that scene, you really get a sense of 
who he is and and the kind of world he lives in. So it's like stuff like that in in the first half of the movie was like much appreciated. Right. Yeah, because I definitely enjoyed that because all these people around him view him as weird. They're like, you're not normal. You haven't had sex yet. This is just strange. But all of their lives are just kind of messed up. And you see it through exactly. scenes like that throughout the whole movie. So, like I said, I just really enjoyed that they were kind of going against the norm of American society. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he he says it at the end of the movie. And I don't really appreciate that he says it. It's, like, it's real on the nose. But I guess it's sort of fine. But Andy says at the end, you know, I realized there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, I've been a virgin for 40 years, but there's not, I realized there's nothing wrong with me. I was just waiting for you. He says it to Trish at the end of the movie. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, ultimately that's the whole movie. It's like, there is nothing wrong with Andy. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, in, in fact, these people that are having, that are having too much sex or are having sex for the wrong reasons or with the wrong people or just too much of it. They're the ones that have these crazy messed up lives. And Andy is just this normal guy who's trying to figure things out. And and all of the comedy, all of the humor, all the awkwardness pivots on that idea. Like he's the he's the center, and he's the normal guy, and he lives in this crazy, oversaturated world, and and that's where the humor comes from. And I always like really appreciated that throughout the movie. Like he is a well-adjusted normal guy who's just a little socially awkward because the world is convincing him that there's something wrong with him. Yeah, I agree. That's and that's kind of just where. I stand with the movie as a whole, like everything we've talked about. Not as funny as it was, but I really enjoyed that they tried to incorporate a deeper meaning into a comedic movie. I feel like the Absolutely. meaning stood more out more than the comedy. While usually in comedies, it's the other way around. If they put in a meaning at all, it's going to be hidden under deep, deep layers of comedy. So I thought that was really bold. And while it still isn't like one of my favorite movies or blew me away or anything, I really appreciate it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a great movie because of all that stuff. Because it it understands that it, it, you can you can be a funny movie while having an actual story, <laughs> while yeah. having real characters that are grounded in that are grounded in reality. And I think a lot of comedies lose their way. And it's like so many comedies sort of will will tell crazy jokes at the expense of their characters. They'll just belittle and belittle their characters for the sake of humor and. And it's such a bummer when I, I really appreciated that this was a movie that always respected its characters. I just, I don't know. I, I, it's great the way that it is, but I do kind of wish it was a little less vulgar because <laughs> it's a, it's a movie that I would love to like share with people and like, Hey, watch this movie. I want to re- be able to recommend it. But at the same time, it's like, but there's crazy, terrible stuff. Mm. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie to any, to, to everyone. You know mm. what I mean? That's the one thing that I just, I like, could they have made the point they were trying to make while reducing some of the vulgarity? Yeah. Would it have lost the value or is it just as it is and you can only show it to who you can show it to? I don't know. I I really don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of (laughs) nuts. Okay. So what's your, uh, I guess let's try to sum it up. So after having rewatched the movie, now, if somebody were to ask you about the four-year-old virgin, what would you say? I think it would really depend on who it was. I think if they're <laughs> just looking for a funny movie, probably not. It's just not as funny as it once was. Yeah. Um, and also the vulgarness in it. So depends on how much I think they can take. But 
If you can take vulgar movies and you're looking for a movie that's good, has a meaning and funny, it kind of has all of it. Just not, it just doesn't hit as well. I would say still watch it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I would say like, after having seen it again, it makes me even more comfortable with the idea that this movie is like significant in a, in a comedy film history sort of way. Like, I still think it's great to sort of see Steve Carell and Paul Rudd and, and Seth Rogen and even like Jane Lynch and Jonah Hill, all these comedic actors before they were really big names. I still think it's it's really fun to see them in, in one of their first roles. And I think it's like a significant movie in that sense. And I think it's, you know, it, it's funny enough. Uh, I never sat there thinking, you know, it, it isn't funny enough. And and I think it's got an interesting story with good characters. So I would still recommend it, but with <laughs> with a disclaimer that it is a hard R. <laughs> it's definitely R. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have to say about The 40-Year-Old Virgin. We can move on to our topic, which is uh, the idea of what makes something classic. What, what are the sort of qualifiers to make something a, a classic movie or a classic book or a TV show or, or anything like that? So what do you think? What's something that, what, what makes something considered a classic? See, this is something I was struggling with this topic because one thing is, is it a classic? Like are classics different based on different people? Like is my opinion of a classic different? Well, obviously my opinion of a classic is going to be different from yours, but does that matter? Is it just like majority rule? If the majority of people think this is a classic, this movie is a classic, or is it based off what you or I think? Like, oh, I think that's a classic, but I don't think that one. So therefore, in my mind, it isn't a classic or is a classic. It's interesting. I don't know. I would say more often than not, popular opinion is what sort of determines uh, a classic movie. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, people just sort of by default say it's, it's time that determines what's classic and what's not. You know, in 20 years... What are what are most people still talking about? What's what's still relevant within popular culture? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily like how we should be deciding what's what's classic or not. I do think time plays a part in it, though, for sure, because I think a classic definitely <clears throat> has to stand the test of time. It can't just be relevant for its time, even if it's still a good movie for its time. I don't think it's a classic if it can't last through the ages. For example, if there was a movie that was really good back in the 50s that was super relevant at the time and did great, but then it doesn't have as much impact now, I wouldn't consider it a classic, even if it's still a great movie. Okay, so here are a couple of examples. Um, There are some some classic films that are are really only classic because they were like the first couple, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like nothing about them is really that inherently like significant except for the fact that they were just the first of their kind. You know, there's there's that film, that very first film of, of workers leaving the, leaving a building or of a, of a train moving across the screen or a horse running in place. Like, these are all some of the first examples of film ever, and it's like really the only thing significant about it is that they were the first of their kind. And so, I don't know, I, some part of me still wants to call it a classic, but I don't, I don't know why except for just the fact that it's, it's time. And I, I asked Molly the other day, like, if I, if I were to pick a randomly 
like forgotten movie from the twenties and it was a silent film. It was black and white and we watched it and, and we had never heard of it and people don't talk about it. Would you consider it a classic? And a part of me wants to, cause it's this old movie, you know, <laughs> shot on film. It's silent. It's, it's really old. Like, and I want to consider it that, but if it's not one that's relevant in any way, can we still, or should we still call it a classic or consider it or think of it as a classic? I don't know. Yeah. That's why I think, it has to stand the test of time. So if when it first came out, it did something groundbreaking, it was the first of its time, and it still continues, that still shines through and is relevant to something today, or we can point back to how that made way for things today, I think it could still be considered a classic. But if it just lived in its time and did something groundbreaking, and then that's kind of it, I don't know. I don't think that would be a classic necessarily. Like, uh, do you think Avatar will eventually be considered a classic? <laughs> I think it could be. <laughs> and that's why I really struggle with this whole idea. Is if is it majority rule or is it my rule? Because then if it's majority rule, then classics can be movies that I don't think are good. And I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. But it did. That movie had a huge impact on... On, on our culture at that time, it was it was massive. But but in in the years since, I feel like people have sort of genuinely like turned on the movie because all that all this sort of big hullabaloo about the the new technology and the box office records. I think all that stuff eventually fades. Like who cares about it in the long run? Yeah. What what's left is your your product, your story. And if it's not that strong, I feel like you know it's gonna dwindle to <laughs> sort of an appropriate reaction that we just couldn't find in two thousand and nine. Yeah, that's probably so. I I um I pulled up um information on the National Film Registry just as an an example. The National Film Registry they um they select movies every year. I think they select like twenty five movies a year to be preserved in the Library of Congress. And so I thought it was interesting. Like, how do they determine what's worth preserving (laughs) and what's worth keeping? So. Um, on their website, it says the National Film Registry is a list of films deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant that are earmarked for preservation by the Library of Congress. And one of the only qualifiers is that the movies inducted have to be at least 10 years old. And there are currently 675 films, some of which have never even been released to theaters. Like, that's not a qualifier. Uh, length is not a qualifier. Uh, whether or not it was released theatrically is not. So it's like just any important films that are at least 10 years old. I don't think it should be just about time, but I think time should be important. So they had no other qualifiers? just No, other than just the idea that they have to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which I guess is hard to sort of define. Mm-hmm. And it would be something for like a committee to discuss. Right. Because that's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. What do they judge it on in that room? Because that at least leaves yeah. it a little broad. Mm-hmm. Because then, if you make it too specific, you could there could be movies that wouldn't qualify, even if they could have potentially been classics, just because right. there are now specifications about it. I think it's good to be mm-hmm. broad, and I do think time's important to a classic. Like you just mentioned, is Avatar going to be a classic years from now? I don't know. I don't know. The Forty Old Virgin, by the way, is not. In the National Film Registry, <laughs> of course it isn't. It's not a classic. <laughs> okay, okay, but we kind of we kind of hit on the idea that it is a little culturally significant. Maybe not more so than other films, but it's it's def- let's think it's definitely not significantly or aesthetically significant. I mean, it looks like any other movie. It's nothing 
unique about that. Historically, maybe not, but <laughs> I feel like it's still kind of interesting. I guess it's not it's not their first roles, but it is it was like Steve Carell's first leading role. Yeah. And maybe that's not that historically significant, but I guess <laughs> it is for me. I love I love Steve Carell, and for Ooh. me, it's like a big moment for him. Steve Carell's wonderful. <laughs> Such the anchor of that movie. I mean, I just think there's <laughs> plenty of other movies that beat it out. Yes, it can be cultural, culturally relevant at the time, but you have to dig really deep <clears throat> for that. I'm sure there are other movies that just did it better, I suppose. Sure. Okay, so I've got an, <laughs> another set of examples. I've got a poster uh, <laughs> that's like uh, uh, like 101 classic movie lines, and so I thought it was interesting, like what makes these movies classic. So I wrote down a couple, and we can talk about whether or not we would consider them classics. One of them is uh, Donnie Darko. Would you consider that a classic movie? Ooh, uh, that brings up another thing. Donnie Darko definitely has a cult following. It does, yeah, and a cult following that comes kind of later than when the movie came out. Mm, I think it could be. I think it has the potential to be a classic, but... Okay. It's just because it's so different and interesting, but... Yeah. But I don't know. I think other movies could beat it out <laughs> in the realm of being a classic. Sure. So the, the other ones are like Gladiator, Toy Story, Star Wars, Braveheart, Casablanca, The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense, I was like, is that a classic movie? I I guess maybe it is. It, it, it just, it, it, it sort of implanted itself into popular culture so much. It's been referenced, like, almost to death. It's like a movie that a lot of people talked about for a long time. And I don't know if that if that warrants it being classic. But also, the line from the movie is insanely quotable. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought this, this list, that these 101 movies were pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, Braveheart, Casablanca, Gladiator, those are all, like great movies yeah. yeah i think six Sense is a classic just because most people you talk to are going to know it right off the head because not just sure right off the top of their head not just because of uh the, not just because it's quotable but just because it was so took you off guard unless it didn't because yeah. you knew but <laughs> <laughs> but it was just it was an interesting concept and then it was a well-done movie with quotes that everyone quoted it's a classic i feel like should just you should as our society, majority people should know. Are are the Harry Potter books classic? Um, they could be. <laughs> They're pretty relevant. I mean, I know they yeah. really it really restored a lot of kids' interests in books. So it definitely uh -huh. could be. I would say. Yeah. I mean, I want I want to consider them that way, and I, and I think that they're going to live on for a long time. I think I think kids are going to be reading that book forever like or books because they're great uh, but i thought it was interesting like i want to consider it a classic but it hasn't even been 10 years since the last book mm -hmm. and then if you consider this new book uh as a part of that then obviously you know it's been like a couple of weeks <laughs> since the last <laughs> book <laughs> but yeah those those books have had such an impact and you gotta i guess yeah <laughs> probably yeah. classics. Yeah, probably. Again, like you said, I think it's got to wait a little while, but yeah, I totally, I think mm -hmm. if you add in how well the story was written, even if the, even if you can find better writing out there, better literature, quote unquote, 
I still think overall the impact it had and the uniqueness of its story could definitely put it in the rankings of a classic. Uh-huh. Oh, so let me ask you about this. What about, like, Bill Cosby? Hmm. And, and all things Bill Cosby. You know, like, uh, two years ago, I would have said anything Bill Cosby touched, classic. The Cosby Show, classic. His stand-up specials, classic. Uh, it, you know, Bill Cosby was a huge, huge player in the world of, of comedy and influenced all of the big names right now were influenced by Bill Cosby. Judd Apatow, director of Four-Year-Old Virgin, adored Bill Cosby. So it's interesting, like anything we now consider a classic could sort of have something terrible happen to it, <laughs> like Bill Cosby. And does that sort of nullify the work that came before it? You know, like, are we going to consider Bill Cosby classic in 10 years from now, considering all that's happened? I still think we should. His his art, we don't have to necessarily consider Bill Cosby a classic, but what he <clears throat> made could still be considered art, even if there's things surrounding it that aren't necessarily yeah. the best. But I don't know. That's interesting. Because every time you yeah. watch it, though, that's true. But I still don't think that should <laughs> nullify that it was classic. classic. I mean, he's not the only one that put work into that. There were tons of people yeah, in that. So just because something has come up, I don't think it should completely nullify its like it being a classic. Uh-huh. But I do think it, it speaks to the idea that, that time is a very important factor in all of this. Because you never know what's going to happen or, or the, how the world's going to respond to something in retrospect, given things that may or may not have happened so yeah i mean i guess <laughs> time is is a pretty big factor yeah interesting interesting <laughs> indeed <laughs> we've solved the riddle yeah <laughs> what is done. a classic we're not at I all but oh well did that thing with my hands as if i was done and we've solved it <laughs> <laughs> the more you know <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the equation? Film plus time equals classic. Yeah. That, no, yeah. That's film not plus quite right. <laughs> <laughs> Every film that's over 10 years old is a classic. It's <laughs> oh, <that's> awesome. <laughs> Any film released to VHS, classic. Classic. Absolutely. Any I've got film a stack that made of, it to VHS. I've got a stack of VHSs over in the corner. All classics. <laughs> Black Beauty, classic. Re Recess Christmas, oh, classic. Black Beauty. <laughs> Gosh, okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, seems as though we're back to our initial uh, runtime for these episodes. We went kind of long for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize for that, unless unless you love it. Then you're welcome. Just uh, just let us know in like a, a review or maybe tweet at us. You know, yeah, yeah. Tweet at us. Let let us know what what are your qualifiers for something that's classic. What did you think of the forty year old virgin? Uh, do you still like Bill Cosby? <laughs> <laughs> tweet us whatever you want, <laughs> and uh, write us uh, a little review if you, if you liked it. Uh, if you didn't, I guess you could still do it. Uh, I don't know. We'll do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter. I'm at Joshua Kazemi. Coleman is... At Cole Tailored. Uh-huh. You gotta start tweeting, though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen. <laughs> give give Coleman a, a reason to, to start tweeting. <laughs> tweet at him. Ask him a question, and then he's like, Ah, oh, I gotta, uh, I gotta tweet I a response. Now I have to tweet. Great. Now I gotta start. Oh. <laughs> 
you you have the power in your hands, listener, to to force Coleman to start tweeting. <laughs> I would jump on that if I were you. <laughs> all right, I think that's it for this week. I think so too. Uh, we we will see y'all next week. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs> Bye.